0: Thank you, family. Take a seat. My first time back, I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, I had a, I've got about five minutes worth of blooper clips um, from from the recorded streams. Um, they'll probably never be seen, um, but who knows? Maybe Lucy will pull them out in a, a couple of weeks. But um, very exciting about Zoe and Andre, isn't it? For those who popped in late, they are engaged. Wonderful. Now, who, who, has, uh, who was here last week or has watched uh, Lucy and Josh's conversation from last week's service? Very good. Very entertaining. Josh, well done. Well done sitting through it again. Um, and so today we're following on um, in our Jesus and Justice series. And today we're talking about the cost of justice. Um, and it's been a hard week to do this. Um, it's certainly not my sermon style. I, I went up to Lucy and said, what should I do? Um, and she says, oh, just stick to the teaching part. I'm like Lucy, we have you as a teaching pastor. The teaching's obviously your specialty, um, and so I'm scrolling through articles and and Bible commentaries and and Twitter uh, timeline because that's got some good stuff on it as well. Oh, that was super helpful. Actually, helped me start on Wednesday because two tweets. Uh, Twitter is a social media uh, a website that people get to put out thoughts of about 280 characters or less, so about you know 25 to 30 words, and. uh And so there's this man, the the man they credit to be the inventor of Twitter philanthropy, Bill Polt. He says, most people would help people if it was free. Agreeable, Fairly agreeable. Most people would help people if it was free. And the second uh, quote that caught my eye was was a a reply to a question asked by an American Olympic sprinter. And, And he asked the question, why do some people focus on the divide rather than finding a way toward peace? Great question, especially given what's going on in the U.S. right now. And and I I was scrolling through the replies, and this one was brilliant. Because justice costs, and people view costs differently. Right now, the oppressed are paying the costs with their lives. They're losing their lives, and they're losing justice. The cost for the oppressor is both a financial cost and a cost that would too radically affect their day-to-day life. The cost for the oppressor to change is too high. And they've stuck with me, probably because they say the same thing. I'd help people if it didn't cost me anything. I'd help if it didn't cost. But that's not the story of justice that God's people have been asked to write. God's people enter into the story of justice, knowing that the price should be everything, knowing the price would be your life, so you could find your life again in Jesus' life, in Jesus' story. What's Jesus' story when it comes to justice? There's lots. There's, there's Gospels full of Jesus and justice, and they're easy to find and easy to read. So today we're going to take a look at some that we might not necessarily attribute to justice, because that's a little bit more fun. John 2. We're reading John 2. Uh, Verse 13, we start. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at the tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables, then going... Over to the people who sold doves. He told them, "Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace." Almost sounds like a game of Monopoly at the Simmons house, doesn't it? Things being thrown on the floor. The story makes very little sense without a good grasp of Jewish practices. Okay. It's Passover time, the time where the children of God are coming to the temple to observe and offer the Passover sacrifices. And so, as you journey from the outskirts, you bring your family, you bring your best sheep or best cattle, you bring your doves to offer the sacrifices based on the transgressions from that year, right? But bringing, bringing the big beast... From Ohopo to Ham South, it's proving difficult for Brian and Di. They're trying to load it up on the truck. And and the SPCA, they don't really like that it's being transported like that. They certainly don't like that this beast is coming all the way just to be sacrificed. So here at Ham South, we make it easy for you, Brian. We make it easy for you. You come along on the right day, and we've got a nice fat calf just out on the lawn. Ready to take your sins away? Much better, isn't it? Don't need Jack and Ted's help anymore. And Di, you've you've probably sinned a little bit less. Let's be honest, you've sinned a lot less. So you just need this 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 wee lamb. And Lucy, we're pretending you're not married, and you know we're going to sacrifice with your family, with your parents this time. And you just need two doves. Uh, brilliant. Well done, Lucy. Great year. I'm so glad that we were able to make the Sullivan sacrifices so much easier this year just by having the animals out on the lawn ready for them. It's a little bit troubling to me because it seems like that's a little bit cheapening of grace. The, the, the cheapening of the sacrifice, you now don't have to provide, we're providing for you. And I guess this was a little bit troubling to Jesus. I guess equally troubling were those at the exchange tables, dealing in money. Because we know that not only did sacrifices have to be made, but there were taxes that would be customary to be paid at this time. The temple tax was a specific type of currency, and not one that's being in regular use around, around the nation. And so unless you're with Jesus, as his disciples were, you need to pay the money. And remember, the disciples didn't need to, because Jesus just pulled the sacrifice straight out of a fish, remember. Brilliant, we should all be a little bit more like Jesus and pull money out of fish. But, but now you've got to pay your own money and you've got to take it to these money lenders, these exchanges. They love this time of year. They love it because their exchange rates go sky high. This is the time of year they make their money. This is money-making season. Let's get out there. Let's put the rates up. And we have these people Today. We have these people today, we call them the good guys. Or we call them home direct. Or we call them cash converters. We call them loan sharks. Except it's not temple tax that they're exchanging. It's necessities of life. There's injustice. There's a group of people profiting off of others doing the right thing. Profiting off people following the right practices. There's this group of people profiting on people taking shortcuts to grace. The moneylenders and the exchangers, they're the true scumbags in this story. The animal sellers, I think we know their heart. I think their hearts, they want to make it easy. They want, they want people to be sin-free. But perhaps they're cheapening grace. They're just making sacrifices easier. And here's Jesus taking a stand. You're not going to profit of God. You're not going to profit of people who are wanting to follow God's laws. And he turns the tables over. He drives the animals out of the temple grounds. And he says no more. He took on the system that was creating the injustice, and he dealt with it. You know who he doesn't condemn here? Who he doesn't point a finger at? He doesn't point a finger at Brian and Di, who have just picked up, their beast from out here. He doesn't point a finger at the people who have traveled without their calf or without their lamb or without their dove. He doesn't yell at those people who rely on the system that's been set up. He doesn't talk to them about making better choices or plan your lives better or leave a day earlier to get your lamb and and beast here. There's no mention of those who needed to use the system. And I wonder how often we sit within an unjust system And we point at the people using the system, and we target them with with stones, rather than throwing over the tables and driving out the system. I wonder if we would do that, if it didn't cost us anything. The story follows on with the disciples remembering the verse, zeal for my father's house." will consume me. And, and, and I, I looked through this. We had this discussion at youth the other week, um, and I wanted to see what is, what is the disciples remembering. And So I checked the, the footnotes on the Scripture and checked the other translation, and it says, Concern for God's house will be my undoing. That's another translation of what Jesus said. Concern for God's house will be my undoing. Jesus did something. He took on the system knowing it would cost him, knowing it would be his undoing. And Jesus invites his followers, his disciples, on a journey of cost and justice as well. He invites us on a journey of cost and justice as well. And he teaches us how to do it along the way. In his teachings, we're going to read some of the Sermon on the Mount now in Matthew 5. We come across this little gem. If anyone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them, the other cheek also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles, give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now again, we we need some context to this because it's really easy to quote this out of context and misrepresent what Jesus may have been saying. A lot of translations say, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, right? If someone slaps you on the right cheek, who would like to slap me on the right cheek? So, <laughs> welcome to the stage, newly engaged Zoe. Okay, so Zoe wants to slap me on the right, that's this one, eh? This, this one, okay, so you're going to, get on camera. All right, so so Zoe, what hand did you use? My left. All right, So so... Thank you, Zoe, you've been wonderful. Thank you for not saving me. All right, so in Jesus' day, uh, Zoe ain't slapping me with her left hand, right? What, what 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 do people in Jesus' day use their left hand for? For cleaning up after themselves, right? The left hand is only used to clean up after themselves. Um, and so we know, Zoe, you might have to come back up here Zoe we know if Zoe's going to slap me on the right cheek how can she do it without using her left hand that's your left hand right, I don't even know it yeah that's your left hand Okay, so she's got a back hand oh, give, give it a go oh, get, 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 cheer, cheer on yeah. <laughs> we, we, need the, we need the smack in the mic <laughs> so it means <laughs> well, this was not set up at all so it means you're going to get backhanded, right? And in Jesus' day, this isn't an act of violence. This is an insult. This is, this is Zoe insulting my pride. It's disestablishing my honor. It's putting me in a position of inferiority to the slapper. If this was about violence, why would Jesus be so specific? If Jesus wanted his followers to use this passage to be about letting, letting people get away with things. Just, just let them walk over you. Just turn the other cheek and walk away. Then why did he clear the temple? If Jesus wanted us to be people who saw injustice and walked away, why did he clear the temple? Why did he turn things over? Because this is not about violence. This is about justice. Jesus shows us the picture of justice in John, and we have to put this picture of Jesus and justice in here. Slaves are the ones who are slapped. Ones who are less are slapped. And Jesus is saying, turn the other cheek, because that... because Now I want you to hit me on this side, but, you, but you're not slapped. No, no, that's your poo hand. That's your poo hand. And so how are you going to hit me on this one? You give me a forehand blow. Because a forehand blow, thanks for not doing it, a forehand blow is equals. It's not an insult, it's we stand toe to toe and we are the same level. Jesus is saying that in his kingdom there is equality, there is same. There is not slave and free. We read this in Romans. He's saying disestablish the system where people can think that they're higher and you're lower. And he says, turn the other cheek, because if your left cheek is facing, if you want to hit me, it's going to cost me some pain, but it's going to show you that we are equals. It's about opposing oppression, acting in a way that although it costs, it starts to demonstrate the equality that his kingdom is about. If anyone wants to sue you to take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Here, Jesus is clearly teaching that we just give up everything, especially when someone sues us. Have more. Let's enable those who have more to get more, and those without must give it all up to them. Jesus is a capitalist, right? You know who got sued for their shirt? The poorest of the poor. Because they had a specific amount of clothing. They had a shirt and a coat. More specifically, a a, a tunic. And a coat. And this tunic or shirt, this was your basic garment, this is your underlay, uh, the layer next to the skin. Mid length for men, long length for women. And the cloak, the outer robe, this is the indispensable piece of clothing. Now, sometimes during the day, you would lend this out to someone, but everyone knew, everyone knew that it had to be returned by sundown because this is what the poor people used as covering to sleep. Poor people are the only ones who are going to be sued for their shirt. If you have something, anything of value, you get sued for that. But if you have nothing else, if you have nothing else of value, you're going to lose your shirt. So why? Why is Jesus telling them to give up their cloak as well, the indispensable garment? Because even back then, people in society had this understanding You cannot take everything from a person. And if you did, if you were to leave someone naked with no coverings, with no shelter, nothing to rest on or rest under at night, then instead of society looking down on them with scorn and shame, then you, the taker, you would be the one who was looked at poorly. The one who wants more and takes more is not looked at well. And so if someone wants to sue you to take from the poor all that they have, if someone wants to degrade you that far, take action. The only action that may stop them, give them your cloak too. Make yourself naked. That is the cost. Society would not look favorably upon that person. They would not look favorably on the greed of the repo man And sometimes, just sometimes, this was enough of a deterrence because the shame of being exposed as greedy was so much greater than the shame of being naked. Don't make the poor poorer. Don't look down on them. Don't use them as objects of ridicule and amusement. If anyone asks you to go one mile, go with them too. I sometimes think of this, this little story uh, when I'm sitting down at home. I've just sat in my chair, relaxing for the evening, and Holly asked me to just grab the chocolate from the, from the cupboard. And I've just sat down. I'm super relaxed. I'm like, oh, I don't have to move. Oh, can you just grab the chocolate? If someone asks you to go a mile, go two miles. It's a struggle, right? Getting up from my position of comfort. This isn't quite what we're talking about here. We're not being asked. He's saying do double what has been asked. Who enjoys doing double what has been asked? Thank you, brother. I see that hand. Uh, there were no hands. No one enjoys doing double what's asked. So we have, to, we have to know some things. We have to know that in Jesus' day, the Roman Empire was the oppressive power. And soldiers could demand that a civilian carried their equipment a thousand paces which apparently is just under a U.S. mile. But that was it, 1,000 paces, no more. There were punishments. There were consequences of breaking the rules in the Roman army. And and these were wide-ranging rules. You you might lose your long service benefits. You might receive uh, rations of barley instead of rations of wheat. (laughs) You might be fined or flogged. You might even be thrown into a sack of snakes. These are the punishments that the soldiers face when they break the rules. And so imagine what would happen if these oppressed civilians started walking two miles. The soldiers might start to think twice before demanding you carry their equipment one mile. They might remember what happened to their comrade last week, the guy thrown in the snake sack. Jesus was teaching people to respond to oppression, but he was not doing it with mirrored violence. And he certainly wasn't teaching passiveness and to roll over when you're oppressed. He's teaching a third way that is neither submission nor assault. Before these passages, Jesus says, do not resist an evil person. But he is showing a way of resistance that does not mirror evil. The way to overcome the oppressors without emulating the oppressors. He was showing how to neutralize oppressors without destroying them. And in Jesus' time, Rome set the system. Rome were the oppressors. And these teachings are telling us how to stand up to the oppressors, how to disempower the system, how to bring Jesus' kingdom system into the world where there is no oppression, where there is no inequality. The problem today, the problem today, as Lucy spoke of last week, is now predominantly, predominantly we, the Western church, the the white Western setup. We now sit in the seat of Rome. We now sit as the oppressors. Probably not act, hopefully not actively oppressing, but benefiting from a system that does. And we cannot continue to do it. And it is going to cost us. It will cost us the things that we are used to having. It will cost us the things that we are used to receiving. And we will have to think about these things that we've never had to think about before. We are going to have to address some things we've never had to address before. We're going to have to have some discussions that are uncomfortable because they will cost us what we're used to having. Because we are called to be like Jesus. And so as we move forward from here today, not only do we need to make sure that we aren't backhanding people on the right cheek, that perhaps we Jesus' followers need to step in for them and receive that forehand blow. We need to move from a place that enables poor people to exist in a system to not just ensuring that poor people have their cloak and tunic, but pants and shoes and socks and a wardrobe and a place to stay at night and warmth in that place and maybe even a place to wash their clothes. And we need to move from a place where we make others do the heavy lifting for us to lifting up those who have carried this system on their backs. And as we do those things, as we follow these teachings of Jesus, we need to go a step further and follow His examples. We turn over the systems of injustice that enable class difference to exist. We turn over the tables on the money lenders' those scumbags who target the poor and the needy and we provide what they provide while driving these money lenders out of business and we carry a message that does not cheapen grace we carry the message of Jesus final passover where he made that last trip back to Jerusalem but this time he wasn't so much concerned if there were animals in the temple He probably wasn't so much concerned if people were bringing their own doves or lamb or cattle because it was the last time, the last time that they needed to do so because he was the lamb walking into the city of the people he loved, walking into the city for the sins of the people he lived with and the sins of the people we live with and the sins of our own. He knew he was the animal being led to the slaughter for us. The only one who needed to sacrifice nothing. The one who was justice paid the price of justice for you and me. And he walks into the city one last time. He walks in a king. He walks out a criminal. Beaten, bloodied, scorned, and shamed. Killed with the lowest of the low. Killed alongside them and still redeeming them as he did he died to show a new system a new way where all people have equal standing equal opportunity where there is no oppression the path he paints us let's walk that path together it will not be an easy path and it will not be an uncomfortable path it will cost us but we have hope because we know how it ends he's told us how it ends It ends with a vast crowd from every nation and tribe and people and language. Standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, and they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshipped God and they sang Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. That's how the story of Jesus' justice finishes. Let's make sure we're walking the right directions. Let's pray.